This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studios in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit www.shoptalkpod.com. Yo, what up, though? This is Esham, and you're rocking with the Connected Experience. Yo, what up, though, man? This is Big Greg, and you're rocking with the Connected Experience. This is Premier Pete, and you're rocking with the Connected Experience. Cheers. Oh, yeah, this is Jake Prince coming at you live and in living color. And you're rocking with the Connect experience. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's comedian TK Kirkland, aka T to the motherfucking K. And when I'm in Detroit, you already know what it is. I listen to the Connected experience. You should too. Connected. I'm SJ. I'm AJ. And we the connected experience. Well, you tell me what the connected experience is, because you, you always, always telling yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the connected experience is a lifestyle, is our lifestyle. And yeah. if anybody knows us, they know. You know what I'm saying? We always been like high level middleman. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. We not like the shady, skeechy type of middleman. I actually want you to keep doing business with me because you can get a great ticket on whatever, whatever we you do. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So what's been up with you? Nothing much, man. We just uh, knocked out a dope episode, man. I was really proud of that episode, bro. Yeah. We actually, man, we coming up on uh, a year, a, a year podcasting, but not technically a year worth of shows. We actually skipped a couple weeks to I'll let people catch, catch up, up yeah. but we not doing no celebration or nothing because we accomplished a lot in this year. Yeah, but it's still, still so much to go. go. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I think our podcast celebration for the connected experience is when we decide to not do it no more. Yeah, because it's so not it's not gonna be up for everything. Not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And not because we're eleven no more. But sometimes you don't want to go past your mark. And you I don't think saying? people understand that you can be known for doing more than one thing. Which actually brings me to my term. My term is entrepreneur. Yeah. And an entrepreneur is a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses, taking on greater than normal financial risk in order to do so. And before I say that, I mean, when I, after I say that, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Everybody no. is not made to be an entrepreneur. It's yeah. okay to be a good worker, man. People are under the misconception that doing good, hard work for somebody else is like wrong. something wrong with that. No, man. The beehive don't work without the worker bees. Right. I'm the, talking real beehives. Yeah. Like they produce honey. I ain't talking. Yeah, like the worker is the most important thing. Like, I've been a worker, and I've been on another level where I wasn't a worker per se, but I still was working for somebody. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so all even you when hu- you're an entrepreneur, you work, work for, for everybody. Yeah, you know you work for all your clients. If you a hustling entrepreneur, you work for your connect. That's what your connect is. He's connecting you, and you're working for him. So. Get out of that mentality that everybody is supposed to be an entrepreneur or working for somebody is a bad thing because the person who everybody loves who said, you got to be a boss, don't work for nobody, he has employees. So that lets you know what he actually thinks about his employees. You got to turn. And besides that, though, is uh, everybody not cut out to lead. You feel what I'm saying? When you are an entrepreneur and you got the boss, a boss per se, even if you your business is successful, if your employees and your people up under you not treated well, that's actually not successful. You feel what I'm saying? This is success to me. If you've been standing next to me and we've been working together for 20 years, right? When I call it quits, two things should happen, right? You should feel like that you got something good out of it and I should be able to hand it over to you, family or not, because you should know everything because I might not have taught you like, hey, do A, B, and C, but you should have watched me. Now, if I call it quits and you know that's the last time you go eat off this because you didn't teach me nothing, then that wasn't a good run, bro. Yeah, I got, but I definitely got a term, man, and it's a term that we all in and we all use nowadays is media. The means of which communication as radio and television, newspapers, magazines, the internet that reach or influence people widely the media are covering the speeches tonight why is media our term and entrepreneur because we actually have a mediapreneur in the house today right we've been knowing this I think guy he made that term right? he did yeah he definitely made that term so if you hear somebody say that just know it came from the now this is our friend yeah, our mentor yeah this yeah. is definitely a friend this is definitely a mentor this is definitely somebody that we can fight in when we want to make moves and all that because everybody always like twins. Well, who do y'all talk to? Well, like he definitely one of the people. If he not number one on the list, well, he, well number two top. because one I talk two, to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he definitely number two on my list. But this is the legendary Miles Dixon. Oh man, thank you, brother. Y'all, y'all got. I need some hand claps behind that one right now. <laughs> hey man, I appreciate that being here. And I became a fan of y'all podcast while y'all playing. Yeah, I be listening to every time I get a notification. Be like, bing. I'm like, boom. You know yeah, what I mean? I appreciate. I be that. ready to rock and roll with it. But y'all hit on some very valid points. 
Yeah. So I'll let y'all start off when I get the feedback. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So you remember the first time you met Doc? Hold on. You remember the first time you met Doc? Yes, the first time I met Doc, uh, my partner Hollow, which is another uh, trusted confidant of mine, he was, it was sounding like a lie. He like <laughs> my man in this building. He uh, got the studio. He do all the graphics, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. So he take us down there. I ain't go. Yeah, it was just me at first because I don't think he knew he was twins. So he take. I ain't us, know it was two of you. Yeah, he take <laughs> Hollow take us down there, and uh, the office is. Uh, it was on Second Street. The office was on Second Street, and we walk in this building, and I'm like, "Okay, you telling the truth?" So we go up to was it the third floor, third floor. or the fifth floor? Yeah. It was three twenty. Oh, it was there. three. Yeah, it was three o four. Three o four. So we go up to Freak the third. <laughs> so we go up to the third floor, and boom, we walk in, and in the office is Doc, is Melissa, and is Nate. And Nate is in one office doing some editing. Doc and Melissa were sharing the office, and we went in, and I'm like, "Yo, blah blah blah." Hollow told us about you, and. Next thing you know, we get to talking, and this is the nigga from Freaky. I <laughs> did <laughs> from Freaky. Exchange. Exchange. Yeah. Uh, they used to call me Mr. Freaky back then. So let's talk to Doc Chill. So uh, tell us about growing up in Detroit, bro. Oh, um, honestly, I had it good. I grew up off, off of Puritan, so all the Puritan, yeah. them was my people. So I didn't have no problem. Actually, they look at me like, um, what you call that, uh, the prodigal son type of thing. You know what I mean? They didn't allow me to get dirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? They was like, hey, man, you do your music thing. Because I've been doing music folks since I was at least 11 years old. I've been learning how to engineer since I was 11, going on to 12. So it's like October, going into my November birthday. I was turning 12 years old. I, I was an engineer. I learned how to engineer right around the corner from my house. Okay, yeah. so talk growing up on, is this the 70s? You <laughs> he said the 70s. No, no, because, <laughs> you know, we have a wide range of age range on okay. the show. So like, Well, I grew, up, I grew up on Puritan all my whole entire life. I was on... Puritan and Tracy, and then in '76 uh, we moved down to Puritan and Washburn. So I've been I've been around in that neighborhood forever. Right. So I, you you seen before the crack era and after the crack era. And during yeah. Well, you know during and yeah. yeah, yeah in so, the middle of it. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about Puritan before the crack era. Do we have to talk about Puritan? And anybody, everybody's still alive. But you got to paint the picture because some of these people only know Puritan after the crack era or during the height of the crack era. People don't yeah. understand like these were affluent communities. Yeah, there was like, like affluent communities oh, and stuff oh, like that. Puritan was the bomb even even during the, the era of the, uh, the PAs. Yeah. The PAs was like one of the first group or quote unquote gang that actually took care of their neighborhood. Yeah, they actually had businesses. They had ice cream parlors. They had party stores. Cell phones. That's what gangs were supposed to do. Right. Yep. Organizations that they protected the neighborhood, bottom line. Other people from other neighborhoods just couldn't come over there and do anything that they wanted to do. And you know what? That's what the neighborhoods really need to this day. Well, that's, that's, uh, what that's what desegregation is, though. Yeah, that's, that's a neighborhood, neighborhood right? Yes. Every time I look at a house, an abandoned house, I think at one point, this was someone's dream mm -hmm. to to make enough money to live at this house. Mm -hmm. They planned on raising a family and then and our neighborhood was that like shit that. just abandoned. It, the, the, the house falling apart. Well, and that I, shit is like so disturbing to me. I don't think it had nothing to do with the crack era with that part. I think it, casinos tore that part up. Because yeah, yeah. people were still crackheads, but they were still had a place to live. <laughs> they needed a place to live. And they had live. good jobs. And like, they had good jobs. But I think casinos really disrupted and messed up our economy real bad. Yeah. Because the crack era brought on other things. You know what I mean? Crack era brought on um, renters. You know what I mean? It, it right. didn't. It did. It did. It brought on renters and people who want to move in, move out fast, type of thing. Um, I think black people, period, have been tricked to move to Florida when they retire. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? To lead their stuff. <laughs> to lead their stuff. And, and my re realtor actually told me that because I was like, "Look, man, I don't even know if I want to move in this neighborhood. Everybody moving out." And mm -hmm. he said, "Well, everybody moving out because the first people who lived in these houses they retiring mm -hmm. and they moving mm -hmm. to Florida. Yeah. So now it's another family turn to come in here mm -hmm. and yeah. do thirty years." And I said, "Do thirty years?" I said, "Nigga, I'm not in jail. I'm not right. go. I don't. I'm not obligated to do thirty years." But here. that's what the mortgage means. A mortgage yeah. is like yeah. a jail sentence. It yeah. is. <laughs> it's, 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 no, it's a death sentence. Yeah. Mortgage. Mortgage. Right. Word there, you you feel what I'm uh, there you go. So do you got siblings? You got brothers and sisters? I got, uh, yes, I have brothers and sisters from my father. I'm my mother's only child. Yeah, yeah. mother's only child. Yeah, I had like six, six brothers and four sisters. So it's eleven of y'all. Yeah, yeah, it was eleven of us. But I'm the only, ba I'm the baby one out of everybody. I'm about to say where you fall the line. So you're the baby I'm, overall. I'm the baby overall. I'm the, I'm the oldest, youngest baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 46. So my yeah. sister's still kicking. She's 68. <laughs> Damn. And she a thug. Yeah. In California. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah. she's a thug. So being your mother's only child, <laughs> she's an OG how was that? Grandma. Being my mother, it was it was it was it was dope. It was really dope. I learned a lot from my mother. And for those people who say a mother cannot raise her son to be a man, that's a lie. Because yeah. my man, my mother made sure I had uh, fatherly influences in my life, right, yeah. right? Like my cousins and my uncles. You know what I mean? So, and plus, she ain't treat me like, like, like no punk. I was just scary anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was just scary. So it, when bees came around, after I seen somebody get stung by a bee and have a seizure, I'm thinking that every time somebody gets stung by a bee, that's what happened. So I became scary a bug. So yeah. other than that, I was straight. I, I love being raised by mother. my mother. She taught me a whole lot. She taught me the game. But it was actually in a short period of time because you mm-hmm. lost her fairly early, yeah. I would say. Lost her when I was 16 years old. She died in my arms with brain. She had brain cancer. Yeah. So, um, but overall... My experience, she taught me, I mean, she taught me, like, who be on BS, how to yeah, tell, who like tell early, the truth. Yeah, yeah like, because I, I was opening the door for myself when I was, like, going into second grade. Because my school is directly around the corner from my house. Yeah. So I learned a whole lot. She's like, baby, when you see somebody and they're walking towards your way, get on the other side of the street. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how you know they're following you. And then if that's the case, turn around run. Yeah. So I learned a whole lot. She and just I, was giving you, like, oh all my, of these gems. Yeah, because she, she was from Philadelphia, South Philly, and she was a thug. Yeah. But she knew I wasn't going to be no like, thug. You know what's crazy, bro? Like, we never knew that because, you know, our whole side of my granddaddy's family is from Philadelphia, really? whole side, bro. Well, but they everywhere, north, south, south, west, everywhere. Yeah, and that's yeah. I know how that can be because going to North Philly is a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother world. Yeah, it's like it's like a big Highland Park in North Philly, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. South Philly like a little Highland Park mixed with Chinatown, Germantown, and everything yeah. else. So yeah, yeah. So she told you all. She taught you all this game. You sixteen years old. Mm-hmm. You coming up in the seventies. Let's talk about discovery. He, ca- he came up in the eighties. Thank you. I feel like Shaft. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about discovering hip hop. Ooh, because we got to get the hip hop conversation out the way so we can get to the. Well, you know, y'all. We talked about Philly. So one of my good friends was actually Warren Malone. Warmer Warren Malone's brother, which is Steady B. Yeah. So Steady B. I was in Steady B was my favorite art before LL it was Steady B. Yeah, I was like Steady B, and I I, I met Cool what's his name Cool C and Steady cool, B. Yeah, yeah, I met I met Cool C later, but I think Steady B had an influence on me because he wore gazelles. You know what I mean? He wore the Kango hats, and then when I seen LL, I was blown now, away. Now when you seen LL, did you feel like this nigga biting? No, I felt like I, I was. Then I started learning regional respect. Yeah, yeah. yeah See, yeah. LL wasn't. LL wasn't really LL to me until I found out he wrote for Run DMC. Yeah, right. When I right. found out he wrote for Run DMC, I'm like, he was a young nigga then. Yeah, yeah. Can I say nigga on this show? Yeah, you can say whatever nigga, 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 nigga. When I found out he was a young nigga, yeah, I'm like, okay. When I found out LL was young, he was like 14 years old writing for the biggest rappers ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? 14, 15 years old. And I was like, oh, that's dope. And yeah. then Cool uh, Steady B did dumb stuff. Yeah yeah, 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 I think he's still locked up. For that he's shit. still locked up, and in my other, uh, it was an old rapper. Didn't it? Didn't it Q, uh, PSQ, PSK. Uh, People yeah. always Midwest me. Schoolie, Schoolie, Schoolie D. That's it. Yeah. That was that was my guy too. Um, him and my cousin actually was best friends. They did drugs together. Yeah. So I just. <laughs> So when you say Steady B, you met, you was like around Steady B? All the time. So you used to go back and forth to Philly? Yeah, I stayed in Philadelphia during the summertime. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean like for two and a half months I was there. Oh, the whole summer. Yeah, the whole summer. Because people used to, people used to say that I was ahead of my time. I, was, I had an old soul. So my conversations wasn't normal. You know what I mean? So yeah. I went with my cousins that was in Philly, and they was older than me. Yeah. So I was like. Cool, you know what I mean. I could talk to somebody. I'm six, seven years old, having full conversations, not no Google Gaga. Let's go to the playground. I'm like, what's that? Can I use that? That's a camera. I want to do that. That's a turn. What's the turn? I wanted to do it. Yeah. So yeah, my my conversation was different in Philly. So since you actually was in Philly and seeing the rap influence, would you say maybe that rap in Philly and New York was kind of like starting at the same time? Like they give New York credit, but you know, I fully believe in my heart that rap started somewhere in the middle of the country, I mean, and somebody from New York might have took it back. I, I ain't taking away nothing from them niggas, right. but I just know the big city always get the credit for shit. Well, did, how about this? Fed. What was the first breaking movie? 
You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Where Breaking. Yeah. And where was that at? Yeah, where was it? California. Right. Because I see Exactly. So, I mean, it, that tells you basically correct. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the, the core of it came from, like, the cool hurts and them because they fought for it. Yeah. Other people, like. They might have just, they treated it like a career early and other people treated it like a hobby. We go make something where somebody gets something from it. No, I think it's just absolutely the reverse. I'm going to do this wiki wiki. And if somebody so happened to catch on to it, fine. If they don't, fuck it. But other people said, hey, that's something that we can grow up, grow up from. You know what I mean? Okay. I think like the cool her. I mean, like Grand Funkmaster Flex. I mean, not Funkmaster Flex. No, he old. He Grandmaster old, Flash. Yeah. Grandmaster Flash is the one who actually created the mixer. Oh, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? But he ain't do it with the insight of. I'm about to sell a bunch of I'm about of to manufacture a mixer. Yeah. When somebody seen it, they were like. We can sell that exactly, yeah. and then and then it came, and then it became a thing. So yeah, I believe exactly how you feel, but just totally opposite way. I believe New York looked at it as a hobby. You know what I mean? Okay, okay, yeah, I get you. Because the Rock Rockers, the Rock Rockers, Prince Vince and them, they was breaking for real. Yeah, you know what I mean? You were sitting up there like that nigga spinning on his head for three minutes. Yeah, you know what I mean? So seeing that, I you know when I think. Um, some of the people from B Street and the Rock Rockets had battled a while ago. Yeah. You know, and I was looking like, Detroit won to me. Yeah. You feel know I me? Mean? Right. But everybody, by them being from New York, they thought, oh, they won. New York, yeah, yeah. It's just motherfuckers being impressed. People who don't go places be impressed with names. Prince Vince was the first person that I seen. He said, he said, hey, youngster, when I come back, I'm going to have a bag full of money, and we're going to be okay. Say it again. I hear you. Prince Vince when he was the first person to say, hey, man, I'm, I'm about to leave, go out of town, I'm going to come back with a bag full of money, and we're going to be okay. And, and if, if y'all don't know who Prince Vince is, we talk about Prince Vince on the show all the time. We just had the opportunity for Prince Vince to be our godfather. Oh, that's dope. You know oh, so see, Vince, y'all ain't tell me that. Y'all yeah. just told me y'all was, he was yeah, good with y'all. Yeah, that's our godfather, bro. And we met him through somebody they, else. They playing. Listen, when we met Prince Vince, you could ask him. We came in on some G shit, and he always respected it. And Prince Vince introduced He is the He the person who actually made us listen to Biggie. Biggie. Yeah. He had just bought an expedition. That shit was knocking. That shit was knocking like crazy. I knew him before the expedition. I knew when, he, when he, had that, he had a Cherokee with yeah. trifling dog. Yeah. dog. Yeah, but he like he was like, listen to this. And he just made, because we, we, you know, we were strong West Coast. Mm. We ain't listening to that shit. And he was like, no, I listen to this. And it was, uh, it was Life After Death. And that actually ended up being one of my favorite albums. But he was like, he was like, see, y'all looking at it wrong. Like, it's about who can rap and then who can sell. And he was right. like, look at Biggie and then listen to what he's saying. He right. can sell records. This is a fat, black, ugly-ass nigga right. talking like so crazy. But right. it was life yeah. after death because I still never heard Ready we, to yeah, Die we never in heard his entirety. Die in our oh. entirety. Synced up, yeah. Because I, 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 know, it, I, know. I missed the moment. You right. know what I'm saying? Y'all yeah. so said y'all was, yeah. was more like West Because Lowe. a nigga say that and I say, but you ain't never heard Brother Lynch Lowe. Lowe. It is I entirety. forgot. That's right. Y'all, <laughs> listen, y'all are the, hold on. Hey, y'all, okay, okay. It's things clicking back to me. Mind y'all, I had a stroke four years ago, so my memory going to be keep going in and out. Twins was the first people who started letting me know about Mac Mall. Mac Dre. Mac Dre. Mac, was Mac Mall Mac Dre? Mac Dre. Uh, Mac Dre. And, but I was on E40, but I ain't listening to nothing else. Yeah. You feel me? But y'all was the first people who let me know about the West Coast. I yeah. wasn't hip to the West Coast. Bro, we are underground rap historians. I, I, trust bro. me, I know that part. <laughs> yeah. No, but the, see, the listeners don't know. Like, they think when we be just like Prince Vince introduced us to Kid Rock. Kid, Kid Rock, the did, first person who showed us the, the internet. internet. Kid yeah. Rock is the first person in to his show living us room the internet. in Clarkston. I, I, Listen to why he showed us the internet, though. Because when we met Kid Rock, we was like, you cool, but where Eshime at? And he was like, my website better than Eshime. So we, we like, like what? website. Right. He took us to the websites. He showed us that shit. He showed us his shit. He called Eshime, like, yo, I got this is the Dead Flowers 1996. He like, man, I got these young dudes over here with Vince, and they think you a millionaire. And Eshime just started laughing. Laughing. Listen, and we in the background like, oh, shit, <laughs> Time, so that's time. why we all had each time up here. That was a big deal. That's Super no, big deal. That's bro. the biggest moment in our uh, podcast. That's no, 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 in our lives. <laughs> as far as music is concerned, no, I know, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, but, but see, that's so dope because I remember when I met K Rock. K Rock was just a white boy standing in the corner waiting for to me, waiting for Vince to say Who, whose couch was he sleeping on. He used to I, sleep on Vince. Couch. Vince, yeah, he was he used to be with Vince all the time, all the time. But but he used to I used, I used to call him the creeper, right? Because <laughs> he would just appear out of nowhere, right? He, Vince was like, man, I'm hungry, man, I want to get some McDonald's, man. That white boy jump up like, what you want? Be right back, come right back. I'd be like, 
man, you got a white servant. <laughs> What's going on? We so, definitely gonna get Vince on the show, but this is all about Doc. So, Broom, okay. you know Steady B, which is history in itself. When you get back to Detroit, what is the Detroit hip hop scene like? Nothing really. Um, the only person, the biggest person I knew at the time of Detroit hip hop was Frogger D. Yeah, Frogger D was the man. Like, like bottom line, if Frog, if Frogger, Frogger was like, I'm a young dog, Frog dog. You know what I mean? Beating on his chest, and I used to be like, I want to beat on my chest and rap. You know what I mean? But Frogger was the one who initially he was crushing people. I used to go to the Mercury Theater a lot, so he used to rap battle against people at the Mercury Theater. Vince, matter of fact, Vince used to watch like he used to step back like, man. Cause Vince was like rapping that gangs was that street stuff, yeah, street shit, right? Yeah. So Vince really wasn't into that battle and rapping shit. You know what I mean? He's just like he really, uh, uh, he say that about me. I beat his ass. That's how he looked at him, right? But Vince never really got into it and always respected Vince and them because they was like rapping, breaking. You know what I mean? And DDT was a DJ. Yeah. DD. 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 I said DD. Yeah. Derek equals dope. He produced. That's what. That's what it is. DD. Derek equals dope. That's right. His he, name is Derek. Yeah, he produced some records for like a, Vince helped us out a lot, man. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying. Just it he just, actually helped us with the structure of our music, make right? how to make a record. Yeah, like so, uh, we just had our partner on here, Pone. Pone showed us how to write bars. You feel what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And Vince helped us with the structure, and then we and the style. Subject he was always the was freshest always, nigga we ever knew. Yeah, you know in cl- yeah. dressing. Yeah, dressing. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, he was. Good. He went to New York and bought his clothes. Yeah, so that in, was dope. Fifteen years before niggas was up on Cole Hines, he told us about it. I'm like, yeah, dog, these got the Nike Air Bubble. We like, fuck Nike. We don't fuck with Nike. Blah blah blah. Yeah. He like, these ain't Nikes. It's the Air Bubble. And he he was he had the blue Gucci shit way back when niggas was rocking the red and black. Like he had the Gucci shit. He had the MCM shit. Right. <laughs> he, he 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 was that. He still is though. We yeah. talk to Vince all the time when he come from wherever the undisclosed location he at. Mm-hmm. He go come be on the show, and okay. that's a. This well, is bucket list shit. Well, that, well, that's good because maybe we could get him in the movie I'm writing, yeah. uh, working on. So we'll talk about that yeah, too. Yeah, that's 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 a text message away, bro. You know I know. What I'm saying? So I know, boom, Frogger D. Frogger D. And then our, our, our Frogger introduced me into um, he. I met Detroit's Most Wanted then. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I met Lee actually first. I'm like, who is this little black nigga? You know what I mean? He older than me, but he's he my size. So I'm like, man, forget this. I, I, if they could rap, I'm rap because I was originally a DJ. Yeah, you know what I mean. So by me DJing at first, I used to be like, man, I'm better than them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because you get to see everybody who rap. Yeah, and so I was DJing in the neighborhoods and stuff. And then I start, I start writing, and then somebody called me out like, uh, the DJ could rap, and then he started dogging me, MC Ryan. Right, MC Ron was a part of my school, so MC Ron started trying to break on me, and then I just said a couple lines back, and they were like, "Ooh, right," because yeah. I'm a nerd, you know what yeah. I mean? I weigh about sixty-eight pounds at this time. Yeah. I'm in high, I'm in high school, <laughs> and, and so uh, I said, I said to myself, like, now is the time where I could show what I could do, that I could rap, right? And then he chewed me out, and then I was like, "Bet the next weekend, the next Friday." Tore his ass up. Yeah. Everybody was like, what's your name? I was like, uh, uh, MC Freeze. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I went by the name MC Freeze for a while. Um, then, uh, after that, I turned my name to Doc Chill because I was cold. You know yeah. what I mean? You're right. That's, right, how, right. I felt, that's well, how I felt about it. Let's talk about forming a group exchange. Whew, you That's a leap. Um, mm. Form a little group exchange. It was it, it was done out of um, desperation, and I'm gonna show you, nigga. My main producer. I was part of a group called The Posse, which it was 68 of us. B Def, Detroit's Most Wanted, yeah. Boss, yeah. Um, Nikki, Nikki, Nick, um, I Rock. It was like 68 MC Connection. So <clears throat> the main producer, the Jewel, me and him got into a discrepancy about Boss because yeah. Boss had left the crew by that time. And then I said, Joe, why, why you won't give me my producer credit? He was like, uh, we ain't talking about that shit right now. If you don't like what we talking about, you can get the fuck out. I was like, but Jewel, and we like brothers at this time because his mother took care of my mother before she died. Yeah. So I went up once I walked out. I said, I said before I walked out, I said, Jewel, you know when I leave, some people coming with me. Nobody come with your motherfucking ass, Doc. Nobody think about you. As soon as I walked out that door, I hit the door slam about at, 15 paces. Nigga like, hold up, hold up. Here we come. I'm in cars back out. And then we went to my crib. It was like 22 of us. Yeah. 
I was like, what, I mean, what, what's our plan? <laughs> he was like, we're like, I don't know, nigga, but if you gone, we, we gone. gone. Yeah. And so at that time, we uh, we just started doing our own stuff, and I started producing. Yeah. I was already producing, but I wouldn't give my producers credit. So when you mentioned Boss, did you produce on the record that she had with Def Jam? Is that what you wanted the credit for, or was this before she even got the Def Jam? This, be, this before she really put anything out. Okay. She was but signed. you just knew that you wasn't getting credited for the work right. you was doing. With Jewel, I had done several projects and also worked with RJ from RJ Latest Arrival. Yeah. And we didn't get our credit. RJ wanted to offer us a damn drum machine. Yeah. You know what I mean? An 808 MIDI drum machine. Yeah. That like, was big shit back then. That was big shit, but fuck that. I, I want, want some money. Some, yeah, I need that cheese. We just did um, a Mirror Mirror, the motion picture soundtrack. We had two songs on there, and they were the leading records. Yeah. No credit, right? And I'm like, fuck that. And so when Jewel basically told me to get the hell out, because I had this about six or seven songs with Jewel yeah. and no producer credit. But I start to understand after I left it, I really wasn't a producer. Yeah. I really just didn't help arrange, make some music, but I didn't produce it. But you still deserve credit for arranging. Well, that's you, actually producing, though. That's In, in a sense. And I, my feelings was caught up, right? Because I know I was good. Yeah. But he wouldn't give me a credit for it. So at that time, I'm like, fuck it. I'll do my own. I said, one day I'm going to get my own group. Yeah. Two years later. I bought the record to him. He said it was garbage, what I should do. do this. And we and when I put it out anyway, and then Exchange was born, but then the record had popped. Yeah. But it really didn't pop at first because we put out we pushed the first single, which was It's Just a Black Thing, and we was going off the whole Rodney King beating. Yeah. That shit didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, when the Rodney <laughs> King beating happened, uh, one of my favorites had a great record about Rodney King called uh, Fuck, Fuck Rodney, Rodney King. King. <laughs> That's yeah. Willie D. He well, had that. Uh, Fuck Rodney King. Yeah. Right. So now, do you think it ain't pop because it wasn't good, or that's just not how people want to get their black consciousness? Back then, I really think um, black consciousness needed more than remembering that we got beat. Yeah. You feel me? I mean, shit, we need that now because if you actually pay attention, niggas with, who rap about shit like that, they don't really blow mainstream. People like say Kendrick, but that's not the bulk of his content. No. You feel what I'm saying? Like, niggas just starved for that that they would say that he's a conscious rapper right, right. he's not he's, yeah. he's more I mean hell Ice Cube was the con- conscious, first, I, first, yeah, first yeah. conscious rapper to me besides Public Enemy yeah. but his Ice Cube first album was produced by the same people who the produced pub, yeah, Public the Enemy Squad, the, the Bond Squad, Squad. And, yeah. but, Ice, but Ice Cube even when they was NWA they were still kicking knowledge yeah. you know what I mean Black police showing off with all that stuff it was, it was dope but it, with Exchange I just realized Detroit needed a different feel and the different feel that we got from it was dance music. Yeah. Like, I'm so tired of, how you going to have a good time and you just walk around standing looking at people mad? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, we going we gonna to change this up. We're going to say, hey, girl, we like the way you shake that ass, shake that ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? So was that heavily influenced by Luke and the Two Live Crew? Yes. It, but, it, yeah, definitely. Um, Luke actually <laughs> came looking for us. Once our record was beating Shake with Your Mama Gay You. Yeah. We was beating Shake with Your Mama Gay You three to one. Yeah. And he Luke actually waited in Chantanique Records for two and a half hours for us to just call back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because y'all was selling records. Oh, we was selling records. Yeah. We was out of Chantanique. Chantanique alone was selling anywhere between 100 to 150 every single week by and themselves. This, and this is why that's important because these are 100 to 150 people physically getting in their car or on the bus or somewhere walking to the door, yes. opening the door, going in there, Saying taking out their, their money, record. their money, <laughs> purchasing 100 yes. or 150 records a week. And that's so important because this is not, we, we don't even know, we don't even know CDs is coming yet. No, right. These are records. These are something like, these I got are, records at the house still. This was like, a, we had a, Maxi single cassette. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So this yeah. is like somebody wants this. It's not coming on on a playlist that nope. somebody else put together and nope. you think this person is some type of influencer or tastemaker. And that's important because streaming will never work for me because you're not selling albums. Right. I, you're just being heard. Yeah. A hundred, I mean, how does 1,500 streams equal one album sale? Stop saying this album sales. Change the whole system. Because, change, the, change the terminology. Uh, yeah, an album sale is somebody purchasing your album. Physically. Physically. Well, well twins, I, I, think, I think y'all should change the terminology. I think y'all should come over. I think y'all should be the people. Who who better else to come over the terminology for than y'all? Yeah. You are absolutely. And that's I, I, not a joke. I, I, I'm saying that. No, like, no, no, I'm no, serious. No, no, no. That's what I'm, I'm serious. Saying, yeah. Because here's the thing. Like people always ask me, Doc, you just saying that because you. Oh, I'm saying. I said, no, nah, nigga. Uh, if you ever been to war before, have you ever been shot at before? 
You know what I mean? Have you ever shot at somebody? Because if you haven't done none of that, you really don't know what war, war is. is. Yeah, yeah. You a feel nigga, me? A nigga who ain't never been to war can't tell you how to win the battles. Because, you know what I'm at saying? all. And as former artists, and we had a we had a career that paid us money. A lot of people might not know us. Like every artist, not go get the blow up or whatever. But the knowledge that we got and the connections that we got are priceless. That's I tell y'all that all the time. You, you know the knowledge y'all have is, is is fucking phenomenal. And most people who don't understand. Knowledge is like it That's lasts forever. Yeah. Knowledge and math For is respect. the only two currencies. For Knowledge, respect. currency, and respect. Well, damn, it, well, damn it, y'all just came up with that terminology. Y'all need to come up with the terminology. Yeah, but we go work on that because I mean, stop calling them album sales because motherfuckers is cheating the systems and stop letting them tell you how much a stream is worth. How are you telling me that my creation is worth half of a less than a penny? But then when you look at, I got a billion streams. Somebody got paid from that, yeah. and it's definitely more than half. That's why I ain't gonna penny. lie. I love title. That's yeah, why yeah, I love no, title. We, we pro title, bro. Uh, that's we why I love title. title. Yeah. Matter of fact, I just wrote a book called The Book of Carter. And, yeah. it, and it's about, I tell people, Jay-Z been my, my business professor for 10 years. Definitely. And I started breaking down his quotes. I remember and I broke when down you actually business. told us that you was going to start writing. I got the book for y'all today. Yeah. Oh, it's out? Uh, I got it for you today. Now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it ain't that it's out. It's just that I got it for y'all today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exclusive. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> so so, so what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm definitely want y'all to understand is that when people bring up exchange to me, I'll be like, um, y'all still bring a freaky, but really I'm mad as fuck. Yeah. That's a lyric of my yeah, song. Yeah, like, yeah. y'all bringing a freaky, but really I'm mad as fuck. Y'all got to understand what I've been saying for years. Shit that I've been saying for years is is now. Yeah, And then, I, I, you know what I remember off y'all first meeting, the first thing you told me he said to you, because you had on them Adidas uh, forms, he was like, you spent that money on them forms, you actually should have got some marketing. Mm-hmm. You feel and, what I'm and, saying? And, and we're going to get to that because uh, now a lot of people actually know us as marketers and you gave us our start in marketing. You know oh, that's what I'm what's saying? up. Because I guess I, I guess it was probably because we was putting you up on shit you ain't know about. No, dude, y'all put me up <laughs> on quite a few things I ain't know about for sure. And, but that's the whole thing about marketing. You hear or see something and you learn how to make it yours. Right, because we came through. We put you we put you on a murder dog. You definitely put me up on Murder Dog because I could give. I, at that time, I, I didn't know what the hell. I knew Murder Dog was just full of gangster rappers, yeah. or so I thought, right? But at the same time. Y'all are historians for a reason, and when the reason when y'all find out y'all why y'all are historians, I think y'all gonna really propel into a whole nother level of, of, of the game need to be told because y'all some bad motherfuckers. And trust me, I'm not just saying it because y'all on, uh, I'm on y'all show. I'm saying it because I always said it, haven't I? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So I, I want people to understand like knowledge, like y'all broke it down as currency, and and it is, but you gotta you gotta spend that currency. You know what I mean? In, the, in order to make some currency. Right, right. So when people say take money to make money, that's how I look at it more so than actually physical dollars. Yeah. Right. So, boom. After exchange, uh-huh. after the success of Freaky, you kind of transition to behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, I did a lot of producing. No, yeah. I'm just saying yeah. behind the scenes in yeah. general. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, once you get behind the scenes, this is... Because we met you behind the scenes. Yeah. We didn't meet you at the height of Freaky. Freaky, right. So when we met you and you was behind the scenes, you was actually responsible for one of the biggest movements that Detroit has ever seen. And I guess this would be twice around because Freaky was a big movement. Yeah, that was a big movement. And then what was after Freaky but before Eastside Cheddar Boys? like Switch Play TV. Okay, okay. Switch, which was very innovative. Yeah. Switch Play TV. I, yeah, our cousin India was on that. That's how... India, like, y'all cousin? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. <sighs> That's what, I was, that's what I was about to say. It's such a small world. Like right, most definitely. People gravitate toward each other. Most definitely. No, no. Let's talk about Say No More Graphics. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the money maker right there. That's the money maker. No, that's the money maker for real. Say No More Graphics, yes. Let's yeah. talk about that. Say No More Graphics. Now, we actually met you. I don't know if this was the beginning of the Say No More run, but I do know you were one of the first people to $150 for Pfizer five, Flyers yeah. with the, uh, with the cele- logo and all yeah. of that. I celebrated 20, 20 years in, in, in Say No More in 1998. I started in 1998. And it's my twentieth year. Okay, so we met you in two thousand. Yeah. Yeah, two thousand, two thousand, because two thousand one, because we already graduated. Yeah, yeah. So this was two thousand one. Yeah. We met you. Say no more. Graphics was, was at its that that, that was, was yeah, whew, yeah. That was at thirty eight thousand forty two thousand dollars a week type of deal going on. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah, we we actually yeah we transformed how graphic design work was even being played because we didn't have no machines or nothing back then. You know, we had a small copier, but we was pulling in, like I said, anywhere between thirty-eight to $42,000 a week. You feel me? So we're looking at $125,000 a month. 
Yeah. For 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 uh, our office was being ran by six people. Yeah. You know what I mean? The average flyer was six hundred fifty dollars. We was getting anywhere between forty five to sixty orders a week. And it was y'all every, definitely every built, yeah, y'all definitely the built city. the printing yeah. companies out here. Like the yeah. printing companies, the one that we used to go to. I ain't gonna say what yeah. you said because I. But the hell with them. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, not the hell with them. But I'm just saying, we actually innovated how to move with the print game. We changed the whole complete how printing. How the print game was even being done when we did the five thousand four hundred fifty, that set the industry on fire. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we had there's a lot of mad motherfuckers walking around here. Yeah, I mean mad because like, you, you couldn't beat that. Because you couldn't beat that at all. And, and then uh, so you get the double sided or the uh, they get one side and you get one side for one hundred fifty dollars. So. And that's in my book. I'm telling you, y'all, y'all gonna be <laughs> tripping out. That's actually in my book to where I talked about how. We changed the game, and I actually got it when I was in Philly. Yeah, it was a company from Chicago. They were saying five thousand for sixty nine dollars on your first order, right? Yeah. As long as I add up here on the back. So I, I called them motherfuckers like, "Look, how much? You know what I mean? If y'all get them for sixty nine, can I get them for sixty nine all the time?" Yeah, they're like, "No, just a one time special." I said, "Well, damn." And then so, so, uh, what happened was our certain um, vendor had got two. 18-wheeler full of paper. Two 18-wheelers full of paper, right? Yeah. Um, and with that, he, he he came to me. He said, hey, man. He said, hey, bro, um, what can you do with this paper? Oh, so they just got it, like, why did they do that? Because like, it was irregular. It wouldn't run through, they, it wouldn't run through their, their press right. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And it wasn't what everybody normally get. Yeah. So they ordered the wrong paper. Yeah. Two, two 18-wheelers full of it. I said, um, I said, so... I said, so um, if I said if you give me a good deal on it, I get rid of it for you. Yeah. He was like, well, hell, what's a good deal, Miles? I said, well, shit, give me five thousand for twenty nine ninety nine, and we can work that out. Yeah. He was like, well, goddamn it, we can't do nothing else with a year. Yeah. Man, by the time we got down on that first uh, uh, shipment, he was like, he was like, I mean, goddamn, do we need to order more of this shit? Yeah. I said, yeah, just keep my prices the same. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? I said, give me another year. You know what I mean? With and then you we could let other price. people in. Yeah, and man, he he, I locked it down like that. It was over with. And you know what I like about that because people think that you only get those opportunities and experience those type of opportunities selling drugs, Mm-mm. right? A lot of shit come on eighteen wheelers that got to get gone. Oh that's yeah, that's legal. <clears throat> yeah, that. I got the 18. I don't even have enough space for this shit. Exactly. You feel what I'm saying? So what do I do? I call the person who I've been working with, yeah. who I know can move this. You or feel or, what or I'm have saying? a better idea than what the hell I or, got. Right, because right. if, if you if they didn't work with you, they, that, that, nigga, they still had that paper. Yeah. Right, a, right. A, a, no, you absolutely correct. That's why I only deal with people who will be willing to give me an exclusive on stuff. If they're not yeah. willing to give me exclusive, I really don't work with them. Right. Yeah. And, and rightfully so. So, boom, let's talk about Switch Play TV. Now, Switch Play TV, looking back, Real, not even looking back. Not like, even looking to back this day. to this day. Ahead of his time, light years ahead of his time. Switch Play TV was the first LOL network. It was the first. Yes. It was the first. Uh, what was that? Def. What? What did uh, the the new Def, Def Jam? Def Digital. Def Digital. It yes. was that first. It took a bunch of comedians and writers and actors. And all unknown. All at the unknown fairly at the time. Unknown. Fairly unknown. How about it was no act? It was no comedian. Right. Uh, no, at first we wanted comedians. Right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, first we wanted comedians because we had Martini, Kool Aid, Coco, and one one other comedian, Foolish, and none of them really showed up except for Martini. Yeah, yeah. And then so we just started using anybody who we can. Right. <laughs> and it gave so many people opportunity. It gave yeah. cameraman opportunity. We met so many people coming through Switch Play TV. Right. We met Nate. Nate turned out to be one of the best mix and masters. Yeah. Like, in the period, he had a good teacher though. I ain't gonna you know lie, he had saying? a good teacher. So let's but talk see, about at the time, we didn't even know you, you taught Nate. You taught Nate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we didn't know that you didn't really even know Nate that long oh, at no. that time. Right? No, yeah, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Nate, Nate, Nate came in as an intern of mine, and he, he, he. That's why he used to hate when I used to bring people just come on in. He was like, "Damn that! I had to drive you around, yeah. do a hundred faxes a day, and you just letting people in and shit." So yeah. I was like, "Man, hey, we all need help." Yeah, and Switchplay came about because. Um, it's, that's in the book. Uh, of hell, I said Nat Morris. Yeah, I said Nat. I want to do a TV show. He said, "Well, Doc, goddamn it, it'd be fifty five hundred dollars a month." I said, "Nat, I don't got no fifty five hundred dollars a month." He said, "Well, goddamn it, how you want to have a TV show?" He said, "If you think it's that goddamn easy, hell, here's ten videos." 
and gave me these big ass VHS tapes. You know what I mean? I ain't know what the hell they were. I got on the phone like, what the fuck is these? Yeah. And so somebody told me, Greg Qualls told me. I said, well, Greg, can we partner up? You know what I mean? And do a show. And uh, he said, well, we'll see how I do it. And then we started doing it. Went on regular Comcast uh, lease access. Yeah. And then. I was like, shit, this shit fun. You know yeah. what I mean? I would actually say we was interns too, because remember at one point we would like get all the videos from the, yeah. from the record companies and just watch them and be like, I don't know if people go like this, put right. this one on there. Yeah. But that just like you for real, like you really just was like giving people opportunity. the opportunity. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? I believe people need opportunities because that's the way that's the only way things gonna grow. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Because in return, us working with you hooked us up with Nate. We made a relationship with Nate. Nate got a situation where basically only the twins could help. Mm-hmm. When he had that group that was mm-hmm. a big group, mm-hmm. he told us, like, as soon as they said what they needed, I thought about y'all, and we made that happen. And yeah, that you can say the group, good. say the damn group. We don't get on nobody. Oh, okay, you know okay, 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 okay. Because we, we don't know them. We don't know them. Got you, got yeah. you. But even with that, working at uh, Okani is mm-hmm. what it was called, right, the Okani. whole conglomerate. Yep. We met Melissa. We still do investments mm-hmm. with plays to Melissa to this day. If, we, if one come across, you feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And we be like, damn, dog, we known Doc for like 20 years. I always think of like how every second do count, right? Because yes. think about this. What if that day you said you didn't want to roll with Hollow because you didn't believe him? Right. right. We wouldn't. Even I rolled because I didn't believe him. Like, <laughs> like, right. Because yeah. it just sounded so. It, my homeboy, he got all this equipment right. and stuff, and at the time we thirsty. Right. We recorded it, "Welcome to Anchor" in y'all studio. That's dope. Working for you, like we would work for you, and you didn't pay us because we wanted. <laughs> right. We wanted to. Right. We wanted like, to record because right. we knew we was gonna just turn around and, and go spend the money, the money at the studio. And that so, and like, that and that influence came from Kool Aid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kool Aid work with Hollow, right? I mean, because we had Regiment Fifty Four. It's yeah. a lot. It's a, y'all bringing some memories back, but it's a lot of people out here. Like our connection is so deep. That's why I'm, I don't know if you know Melissa had put up the post about uh, Jay Z, Dame, and Dad. Yeah, yeah. And like, I thought about that. I'm like, bro, Doc could do that. I swear, <laughs> I said like, it's, it's a lot of people. Like we in the the brackets is big. Yeah, I mean, right. we big. We big. And let's talk about how big it really was because a lot of people don't know this, but you are the man behind the marketing and promotion of the Eastside Chatterboard. Yes, you did the covers. You did all, everything everybody loved. Yeah. You did that. So how did that come about? Um, my main man D, the owner of the label, and his nephew Wipeout. Um, got together. D was like, "Look, I'm willing to go ahead and put put my bread up and actually put you with Doc too, so we can do something." Um, and then Wipeout was like, "Okay, we can we can mess with uh, blah blah blah." And so when Wipeout came to me, he came to me incorrectly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. D was like, "Look, man, that's my man. <laughs> Let's just do. Don't worry about it. Just talk to me." So actually, when I first got the album. I held on to it. The master was done in like June first or second. I held on to it to December. Yeah. Right? Because it wasn't ready. D told me and I kept lying to wipe out like, uh they, this maker said that uh we needed to send him another master. Yeah. And it wasn't that. It's just a simple fact that they wasn't ready. Because if that album would have came out that summer, it would have been more terrible. You can't do that much damage in the winter. Yeah. You feel me? So at the time I held the I held the C D back and then when it came out, he sold one thousand units in like thirty minutes. Yeah, gone. Yeah, a thousand. Again, these are a thousand physical <laughs> albums that yeah. somebody had to press up because yes. we like right now we have mentioned Mark Kemp to an artist and uh-huh. we like yo, y'all everybody Mark Kemp pressed right. up everything. Everybody, if y'all right. don't know Mark Kemp, y'all wasn't pressing up no albums mm-hmm. for real. You know what I'm saying? So boom, they said because each time even started dealing with Mark, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. everybody was. Well, you know, at yeah, everybody point, went through there at uh, one point in yeah. their career in, in long so range. Yeah, yeah. 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 I reached out to him a couple of days ago, actually. Why are you yeah. saying that? That's, yeah. that. That's cool. We go try to get him on the show. He'll walk in history he, lesson, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. He, he's a, not just a, uh, he, he knows so many different types of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a lot of Midwest people Mark dealt with that most people wouldn't even heard of or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Because, but, but it's a lot of good songs. He is the like the cemetery of music. Yeah. Oh, it's have you a, ever been in that living room? No. It's shit everywhere. <laughs> I'm talking about it's shit everywhere like, from the front door all, all the, the way, way around. It might even be shit in the kitchen. And this is shit that you were seeing in the Murder Dog, in small magazines, yeah. popping on the West Coast. You'd be like, damn, you do Prozac shit too? Well, <laughs> well look, well, here's the thing. I'm asking y'all right now, live on your, on your show uh 
Can I get twins down as a, uh, a consultant on the movie The Truth? Yeah, I mean, what, on, we was going to talk know. about that. We, uh, okay, I'm just saying. Yeah, I just had right. you said it, so you some bullshit. Jump on, I'm gonna get on your Facebook page. No, 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 because <laughs> we actually was the shooting. Truth. Remember we, we were shooting? Yeah, yeah and you we still got we, that footage too. Do you? No, you you don't, you don't still got. I that? got some of it. Yeah, because um, we used to shoot the truth, truth with every. I think it was every Thursday or something. Thursday and we Friday. Used to, or sometimes Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But every Thursday we would try to get people. I just think people didn't understand at the time what we was really trying to do. We it. were trying to conserve our history, but yeah. it became an Eminem, Eminem bashing party. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, we're not going to do this. Because yeah, yeah, technically, yeah. Don't, he don't, you don't owe nobody shit, but we don't want to look like haters. Right. You feel what I'm saying? Because, I mean, if you were the producer on something, like, it's like, oh, why y'all niggas put that shit together? And it's like, well, no, this is just how they feel. feel but it's yeah, just but you, can't, you can't tell nobody you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. I think a lot of that shit was just at the moment, but even if you do your history lesson with Detroit music, the white boys always seem to go further. You can look at Eshan, but then look how far ICP went. Well, you feel what I'm saying? And I tell look how far Kid Rock went. You and feel I tell what I'm people saying? because the white boys were green and they admitted to be green, yeah. meaning anything can go with them. If that's if they they say I want to go there, and they say well it's gonna take this 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 to go there, they'd be like fuck it, I want to go there, I want to be there. Black boy, man, don't I don't give a fuck. Nobody gonna take a dime from me. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't fuck that. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the end of the day, some dimes and nickels need to be taken from you. Yeah. And, and then and it's and not even in the bad thing. You gotta it's not, it's it's not right. mother like the people who in the industry that you know about, it's always like a thin film of people that's in between you and them. And some of these people are actually Corn bars and slime bars, but for the most part, it's really people who good that you just have to go through. through the corn bars not, not, and slime not bars, not like a gatekeeper, but it's like, oh no, you need this. I know who can get you this. I, you I pull it this, and the best way to look at it is everybody seen a snowstorm, a rainstorm, and a shitstorm. At yeah. the end of the day, you gonna have to walk in some puddles. Yeah, period. You just got to put your boots on, time up tight, so the shit won't get in your boots. Yeah. Right. Other than that, mm-hmm. y- if you look at it any other way, you're gonna get messed over. You wear condoms for a reason, so you won't get fucked over. Yeah. But at the same time, it, I mean, be honest with you, you have to protect yourself, but don't overly protect yourself to where you give yourself a cold to isolation. Yeah, right. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you could be overdressed to where you. Catch a cold just because you was overdressed. Yeah. So let's talk about. Uh, we could talk all day. Yeah, we could. We, we I'm could sorry. go back and forth, but let's let's wrap this up in a little while. But let's talk about from say no more to pitch media because now you are behind the scenes. You 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 Ooh. you 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 an innovator to the point of you you did the WeWork thing before WeWork really was. Yes. you know what yeah. I'm saying. Mm. Like it's a lot. If Doc call you and say he got some shit on the flow, you at least go listen yeah. and see where you could get in at the moment. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, well, I try to tell people without being sounding conceited, I'm a very blessed person and I have foresight. You know what I mean? Now, they even got a gang called foresight. But the whole thing is I, I foresee things a lot before they even happen. And for me to tell somebody, no, this is God or godly ordained, they look at me like I'm crazy. But the truth is whatever someone does for a lot of money, you can do it for Minimum money. You just got to do it smaller, but make it more profitable, more profitable, and more beneficial to you. Yeah. Most people don't do it um, in that sense because they think, well, they too big. If they that big, why we? I mean, they started with millions. Why are we gonna start with a thousand? Because you go take that thousand seriously and spend it on the necessities and make it look there you the go. best. You feel what I'm saying? I can always tell when a nigga just, when it come to music, when a nigga just got too much money or when a nigga take it serious so he might have spent his last right. thousand. Right. Like, you my, feel like my people used to laugh at Kool-Aid, right? Kool-Aid Entertainment or uh, I forgot the name of his company, whatever. But Hot Spot. The, uh, Hot Spot Entertainment. People used to like, well, he don't, he ain't that good. God. I mean, blah, blah, blah. I said, but, he's but listen. A, he's a hard-working He's a hard-working person. He's, he's consistent. You know what I mean? I, I never liked Too Short in the beginning till I met him. You know what I mean? Because he came to me and said, hey, man, I like I like you on that. He said, he said, hey, man, I like you on that bitch rapping. He told my boss. <laughs> yeah. So um, me and boss used to be a rap group called Lady and the Tramp. I was Doc Chill the Tramp. She was Lady the Boss. So we was Lady and the Tramp. So when he came, he said, I said, oh, damn. Yeah, why she got to be a bitch? He like, look, never mind all that. What is it going to take to sign y'all? Yeah. I was like, I don't know, man, because, I mean, to me, you ain't that good. That's how I'm thinking. You know what I mean? I'm Detroit cocky at this moment. And um, he, he really spit game in, uh, in our ear that whole, for the rest of the next four hours, we were together. And he basically said, listen, there's nobody like y'all. You know what I mean? He said, you're not that, de- he said, you're not that appealing to a woman's eyes, <laughs> but, but she fine and she can spit. You know what I mean? He said, so let's put this shit together. But my producer at the time named Jewel, he didn't want to do it. 
with thank God because she went to better place with Def Jam. Yeah, but and I don't like the way they try to write her out of Def Jam history either. But nigga. that, but that's the part of you have to be part of the thing to to recorrect your own. Yeah, the revision. Yeah, because she has to plant her foot down. She got to say it. I can't say it. I can say it, it all I want. Exactly. Because, I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't have an interest in it. But I just when motherfuckers say Feisty Brown, I say hold on, chief. Before you get, before be, you even talk that Feisty Brown shit, boss was on Def Jam. I don't give a damn what yeah, the book said. Yeah, and, and most importantly, <laughs> I was there when um, Whitney Houston used to call boss. Yeah. Um, Queen Latifah would call boss. Yeah. Brett at the age of twelve or thirteen was calling boss. Like, can I get you on my album? Boss is like, look, little girl, um, I never heard of you in. Uh, I'm the one on Chris Cross' album. And she's like, yeah, okay, well, tell Jermaine Dupree to call me. Jermaine Dupree did call her. You know what I mean? But at that time, Boss was busy. Yeah. And so, but but when I was going to do Boss album, produce some Boss album, honestly, I was scared. Yeah. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. I it's, caught it's the cold feet. you can admit that. Oh, I, I caught cold feet because she started letting me hear shit by DJ Quick. Yeah. When you hear, one of the best. When, yo, when, yo, you, yo. When, you, when you hear a DJ Quick track, you be like, DJ uh, Quick, I DJ Quick on that level, boy. And Def Jeff, Def Jeff is super dope. So I, I really just punked out of that. And I'll be honest with y'all, twins. At the at this time period, people got to realize I was only nineteen years old. So at 19 years old, I'm listening to DJ Quick. I don't know that these cats is only like two years older than me. Yeah, right. You're thinking that greatness is age. Yeah. Yes, and I think that's one fault a fault we have in our community. We think age comes with greatness, but not nowadays. Yeah, people don't even respect age no more. Oh, oh, hey, oh age is nigga. your death sentence. You yeah. an old ass nigga, like right. Especially if you look like an old ass. Nigga. Yeah, somebody, like, we still look young, so it, niggas it, still. Yeah, like, y'all using that just for me. But listen, at the end of the day, <laughs> and at the end of the day, that's why people are like, why you don't um dye your beard? I, I love what Too Short said. He said, if I if I if I dye my beard, people gonna think or try to respect me the same the same age group that they in. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? I'm an OG. So, so, right, you're right. But at the same time, he said, "Look, this is me, who I am. Yeah. If I spend half of my day trying to put some, trying to so, look younger, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I lose twelve days out of a year. Yeah. But, so look, man, we go definitely bring you back because uh, oh, time up. I'm sorry. Yeah, we you definitely just said with the minister Louis Farrakhan. We Woo! always love to hear about Lord that. This is like your fourth time, right? This is my yeah. This is my yeah, fourth yeah. time. So we want to bring you back to talk about that. And uh, right now, though, man, it was just to get people familiar with. Doc Chill, and oh, we go geez. when we bring you back. We going all the way into Miles Dixon. Oh, Mister Dixon. Yeah. Dixon. So tell people they can reach you online. Um, they can reach me at on um, Facebook, the Mediapreneur, um, Instagram, uh, M Dixon three one three, and Twitter. Anybody still use Twitter? Y'all use Twitter? I, 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 never I shoot used the it. link out. You yeah. feel what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm saying I shoot the link to the right. show out, and then when it's just too much fuckery, I just yeah. throw my opinion out there a little right. bit. You know what I'm saying? Well, my Twitter is Miles Dixon, M I L E S D I X O N. Yeah. And I appreciate y'all. Call. I, mean, I had a feeling that an hour was not going to be enough for us. <laughs> but I was going to say, well, how much it cost for another hour? Because yeah, I was ready to go for it. But no, no. no but somebody. After us, like, but well, that's what I said. But this the part two. Okay, well, See, that's cool. That's what I'm saying. See, we already got this set up in our mind. Oh. Go. <laughs> well, I wish y'all would let me know what's in y'all mind because I'm I'm gonna be here sweating and, and shit because I'm like it's a whole lot of stuff I know. No, we, we ain't even about. get to the Miles Dixon part. You, oh, okay, this okay. the Dot Chill story okay. with Miles Dixon. Okay, then that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, you know? know what I'm saying. Like, I appreciate it. So where you can find up. us at? You can find us at TCE Pod across all of the uh, platforms. TCE Pod. Uh, if you want to be on the show or if you want to uh, get Advertise. an advertisement on the show, you can go to pr at tcohh.org, pr at tcohh.org. And I want for my brother. What I want, I want for, for myself. myself. Peace. Oh, that's-